the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 140 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, and like always, I'm here with the part happily of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, to look back on what was... Um, I think insane is the right word, insane weekend of MMA, and to look forward to uh, next week in MMA as well. Before we do that, Graham, it was uh, it was nice to see you over the weekend. Uh, you enjoyed your weekend anyway, I, I, I noticed, and uh, how, are you, how are you feeling today? As we're Sunday evening now, are you recovered from all the... Yeah, the no, I'm recovered, yeah, yeah. It was just a normal enough night out, and I went out, managed to drag you out to a club as well, so that was a mm-hmm. big achievement. Yeah, even though you disappeared at some stage towards the end, <laughs> you were—I saw you disappearing as well at once. We won't get into that. I, I was just disappointed that Eamon Dunphy wasn't there. Like uh, that's—I uh, heard Lily's Bardella. I heard like Eamon Dunphy's Eamon Dunphy's just in there like twenty-four-seven. The fact he wasn't there was very, very sure. He was—he was probably in the VIP room, but he didn't want—he didn't want the riffraff coming in. How are, not, how are we not in the yeah. VIP room? That's what I want to know. We're just a bunch of uh, bloodthirsty cockfighting experts. Uh, <laughs> Savages. You were going to say experts there, didn't you? But you backed yeah, out of an it. Expert, an expert swimmer who's never been in the pool. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Wasn't Mark Lehman. That's Sarah to, to yeah, Mark Lehman. Yeah. Mark Lehman, yeah, it was Mark Lehman, yeah. Yeah, oh, geez, Lonnie, you're not, not that bit now. What, what series is that? Series four of the Come Ultimate Fighter? Yeah. 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 The best one, yeah. Mark Sarah's yeah. impression of, uh, of uh, Rich Franklin was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Tell yeah. him to go to his knee for the takedown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the very start, but lads have started doing that now, haven't they? Like John Jones does that at the start, doesn't he? You know, at the start of his fights and other lads. He was like, he was well, taking a knee and crawling in, like the way yeah. Franklin was doing it. Just, it was very funny the way when they all started laughing, yeah. and Franklin was kind of like back there, and he's like, yeah, it makes no sense. Like, yeah, I loved the way Matt Sarah was like, oh, what are these lads teaching me? I've like been fighting in the UFC for years. <laughs> like he, like he's a coach of other fighters. He's like, why, what are you watching me for? But yeah, it was, it was funny, right? We, it's going to be a long episode this week, more than likely, or a, a, a full episode anyway, if, if not long. So we better get into it. Let's get into the main topic of the of the, the weekend's action, and that's Conor McGregor and the whole incident uh, in, in the Bellator cage. If, if you've been living under a rock for the last three or four days, what happened basically was Charlie Ward was fighting John Redmond in, in Bellator. Uh, Charlie Ward, obviously a teammate of Conor McGregor. He works for him as his bodyguard as well, and he's obviously one of his sparring partners and trainers. They've been close friends for years. Uh, Charlie got like a knockout with one second left in the round. Conor McGregor proceeded to jump the cage, uh, jumped in, hugged Charlie, fell on the ground. They got up. He, they were kind of separated. Mark Goddard went to push him out of the octagon to get him away because he shouldn't be in there. He's not a corner or anything like that. In, even if he was a corner, you're not supposed to come in straight away like that. Conor McGregor took umbrage to him doing his job, went over, ran at him after trying to be held back by someone, uh, pushed him, almost trampled over Johnny Jitsu, who was on the ground, still recovering from be, getting a really, really hard shot. Um, like proceeded to just roar in Mark Goddard's face, point his finger at him, went out of the octagon, then went back in, 
and went to climb over the cage, which I actually don't think was on the belt or broadcast. I watched the replay back of it, and I'm not sure that was there. So he went to climb back in over the cage. An official tried to like get him down. He kind of pushed him a bit, and then McGregor slapped the official across the head. Uh, then eventually came down the, when the uh, when it was given to uh, Charlie Ward that the victory was okay. McGregor then just kind of calmed down and went away again. Uh, I think he's what happened was Goddard with a second left, wasn't sure if the round was over or not because he couldn't hear the bell. He went to check and then he checked and it was all right and he gave Charlie Ward the victory. So there was nothing wrong with that. I think Goddard did everything right, stopped the fight when it should be stopped, went and checked and found out that he stopped it with a second left and gave him the victory. And it was just a terrible overreaction from McGregor. Let's get into that. Well, what are your thoughts on it, Graham? Yeah, well, it's just it's just really stupid uh, behavior. Like the, I think it, like he's jumped into the the cage before on like the Ultimate Fighter and stuff. Mm-hmm. When when there's been like a, a a clear finish or whatever, I think he was probably thinking or trying to do something similar to that. But this was a bit of a nobody was really sure if it was the end of the round or if it was uh, if it was a finish. And then he jumped in. I think Goddard was trying to tell him, "Here, mate, like get out. We need to make sure this is yeah, this is a this is a finish or whatever." And then Connor seemed to think, seemed to think, or seemed to go mad when when Goddard said that, and he ran after Goddard, and a little scuffle ensued. And Johnny Jitsu was sitting on the sitting on his knees, or on his knees, <laughs> where all the action happens, and he kind of gets like bundled over a little bit by the by the melee of like uh, officials and Connor and Goddard. It was just just stupid behavior. Like just, you, you're not even a corner, even if you were, you can't be doing that. You just gotta. You just gotta wait thirty seconds, let them sort it out, and then they'll let you happily in the ring. Like Bellator would happily let Connor in the ring, and like, um, they wouldn't have a problem with that. Like, well, maybe they would, but I, I don't think they would. Like, so it, it was just it was just stupid behavior. And then, and then, as you say, he, he he hopped up on, or I don't know if he was trying to get back. If Connor was trying to get back into the cage, or if he was just like sitting on on the on the on the cage or whatever, but. The Bellator guy comes over and says, here, you can't be here. Tries to push him over to, to back out of the cage. And Connor, Connor seemed to slap him. So you just you just can't be acting like that. Like, no no other fighter is doing that. Like, nobody, like, you're you're a fan at, at an event. Um, you're in the VIP section. They've given you tickets or whatever. You got to respect the show, respect the the, the fighters in, in Charlie and John Redman. And just respect the whole process. It's just, it's just stupid behavior. It's really stupid. Yeah. It's just, just not on. It's just not on. I think it was just bad in every aspect, to be honest. Look, if as you said there, if he had jumped the cage, hugged Charlie Ward, celebrated with him, and that was all that has happened, I don't think there'd be any commotion over it or anything. You're not supposed to do that, but people do it all the time. The fact that he got into a scuffle with Mark Goddard, tried to, tried to, or pushed Mark Goddard and tried to roar in his face, tried to get at him, that's that's just not on at all. Like it's and it. it like it, it fed into this whole thing about this is Conor McGregor. He thinks he's better than everyone else, and that's fair enough because that's what it looked like. You know, it looked like he gave no shit about any rules or authority or anything like that. About and and that's that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is Johnny Jitsu and Andy Ryan and that team. He was roaring in Andy Ryan's face as well. I watched back the replay, and like well, that's not on at all. Like Andy Ryan is, you know, a legend of Irish MMA. Came up through the ranks. Johnny Jitsu, the same fellow who's, I think, it was his twentieth fight last night. You know, this was his big shot, and you know that's how he's treated by Conor McGregor, almost trampling over him, like pushing a referee away who's trying to help him after he's got knocked out. Like that's just absolutely disgraceful. Like, and I don't care if you're Conor McGregor or, you know, an O and O 
or an, an own one fucking amateur or whatever you, you, that's not on you know everyone you're a human being like you're, you you might get away with jumping over the cage and celebrating with your guy like someone else wouldn't but to do everything else beyond that that's just disgraceful i don't care who you are and like if you look at it like imagine if neil siri had done that yesterday if johnny jitsu had knocked him out there johnny jitsu neil siri teammate with johnny jitsu imagine if he'd come in like trampled over Charlie Ward when he was knocked down. How, how mad do you think Conor McGregor would be? And, uh, you know, all, all the lads. They'd be, rightly so, they'd be very mad. And I, I like, I think, and Andy Ryan and Johnny Jitsu and stuff have taken on the chin. They really haven't said much about it. And, like, fair play to them. I think they've, they've shown a lot of class. And Pete McGregor didn't show some class like that, in fairness. I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely, you know, disgraceful. Uh, I don't know, maybe he rang him up and apologized and stuff. But it, I, I think it needs more than that, to be honest. I think... Especially as well, like Irish MMA is still is still not being taken seriously. It's still not uh, an official sport. You know, there's criticism coming from everywhere. And look, sometimes it's the criticism. The criticism is right. Sometimes it's you know we've idiotic criticism, but things like that. If there's criticism coming for it, it's a hundred percent right because that looked like amateur stuff. That didn't look like a sport. And what sport would you see? Uh, uh, not a participant, but like a crowd member who's. Uh, uh, imagine Shamie Coleman at the Ireland match the last day, and they, they gave a you know they they scored a goal, and he run, runs into the pitch, and the referee tells him to get off, and he pushes the referee. Like, what sport do you see that in? That's that's not sporting. There's nothing sporting about that. You know, I, if you like him and John Kavanagh as well is obviously his coach was Charlie Ward's coach is the uh, the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association president. How how must he be feeling today? Like, and I think he should be coming out and saying something about this as well, condemning him for what, what he did, you know, in all of those roles, and in kind of the head of Irish MMA. I think he I think he needs to do that. Um, and I think I wouldn't mind seeing some of his teammates do it as well because they need you know it needs to be said. Because yeah, I think I know. think if, if it was a if it was a Artem or any any of the rest of them had done what Connor did, do, do, Connor would be pissed off with them being like, "What yeah. the fuck is wrong with you?" So, I, I think Connor probably knows that he that he fucked up, but yeah, he 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 needs to come in, or maybe he like as you say, maybe he's been on to Andy Ryan or John Redmond. We don't know, but he needs to apologize to, to Goddard and to to Johnny Redmond and to uh, to Andy Ryan and and to, and to Bellator. It's just it's just fucking stupid behavior. It really is just stupid behavior. And this isn't. This is like a couple, a couple of incidents in the last month or so. So it's just, just get a grip. Like, come on. Yeah, he's like he spoke to Philip O'Connor there a few weeks ago, and he did a few more interviews as well. Uh, and he said that he's made some stupid decisions. And he, in fairness to him, before this, he's always come out and recognized him and apologized, or you know, and everything for almost everything he's done, all of the, you know, all of the mistakes he's made, and which you know, it's quite a few now at this stage. And he said that he, you know, he said to Philip O'Connor in that interview that he's realizing now that he is a role model and that he has to change his behavior and he's finding it hard to do that. And that's that's something like that makes last night even worse, or, or uh, Friday night even worse, because there is a realization there that he is a role model for not just young kids but for all the people watching. Like, and he's the head kind of, you know, obviously the, the most famous MMA fighter in the world and Irish MMA as well. <clears throat> and when he goes in doing that, like it's just such a bad example to set for everyone. Uh, you know, young people come up in the sport, but people watching the sport as well, or people looking at the sport as as a sport, or not as a sport, if you know what I mean. Like, and I think that's a big issue here for me. Other people, you know, it's obviously going to be a different issue for other people. Just like there, there's a, so many different facets of this. 
the sport for me in Ireland is the biggest one. Johnny Jitsu and and Team Rhino, the way he treated him was another one. And Goddard as well, the way he treated him was absolutely dis- disgraceful. And the, and the other officials uh, in there. I suppose the question then is, what should be done and what can be done? Like, well, see, have you been keeping up on it? It seems to be like mixed yeah. messages of whether they can actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Like the the Mohegan Sun Commission were 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 in place. They they were brought over by Bellator as as their kind of international regulatory regulatory body, and um, the the president of that is also the president of of something to do with boxing. I'm not exactly positive anyway, but um, there, there was talk that oh they could do something, but then there was a couple of quotes or or in a statement people were speculating that maybe maybe they're not able to do to do anything in terms of a, a ban or, or a fine, but. We'll, we'll soon see, I suppose. A lot of people were saying it's it, it's like, oh, we'll, we'll see if if Conor McGregor is bigger than the sport or not. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it's actually that. I think, I think if they if they if they have the ability to to punish him, that they it looks like they will. Just from the statement they put out, with, they said it was like quote assault or whatever. So they're they're not taking they're not playing it down anyway. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because it, it's kind of unknown. People in the media and everybody seems unsure about whether what kind of what kind of um, power they have to to punish Conor here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose like he wasn't <clears throat> he wasn't a licensed fighter, uh, you know, for that night. He wasn't a, a licensed cornerman for that night. As you said, he's basically just a member of the crowd. Like he was standing right in front of me, uh, you know, uh, uh, cage side. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't part of the fight at all. He he rocked up like a minute or two into the fight. Uh, so it's basically like you know what what are they going to do to him? Like if. You know, if Peter Queeley jumped out of the crowd and did it, like, are they going to ban him as well? Like, I, I just don't think they can do that. Like, he, he's not even under their jurisdiction and stuff. I, I saw um John Nash, who's a, a arbiter kind of of these things, a very good journalist online. He was saying that if there was a national commission or you know an international commission that overtook everything, that then you would be able to do this. But the, you know, you would be able to put in a fine or something, and maybe that can be because I think it's Mike Mazzula. I think he is the the A is it A B C the the boxing you know it's boxing and mixed martial arts. It's the one where you know all the rules go through and all. He's the president of that, <clears throat> and he was the one obviously overseeing uh, the event last night. So he he, I think it's a gray area like whether he can do something or not. Uh, and I suppose we, we're just going to have to wait and see. There's a MMA fighting put up. Um, uh, I think they came out a, a quote from them, basically saying that that we're looking into it and stuff. So you know, over the next week, it's going to come out. This this is kind of <clears throat> on on you know untraveled waters, to be honest. So we, we you know we'll have to wait and see in that book. Like, and it also also yeah. takes away from from Charlie. Well, yeah. <clears throat> in a way, it takes away, like every like I doubt that like let's be honest, I doubt that many people will be like in the main kind of mainstream and. Outside of Ireland and the UK, media would be talking much about Charlie's win, but it's just, it's just, it's just stupid behavior. And I, th- I think the one of the statements that came out was that they were gonna, they were talking to the UFC brass already, the the commission. So maybe, I it'll be, I, I, I don't know if the UFC will, will punish him if he's unpunishable, unpunishable by the whatever regulatory body, but. Uh, I think they need to do something because it's 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 just, it's just ridiculous. You can't be doing that. Like you just you, like if a fan jumped in, he he'd probably be arrested. Like if if a normal fan just did that, he'd be arrested. What <clears throat> what punishment do you like? I I think I think a year ban would be fair for what he did. Like I I think it was that bad. I think he, he like if if they banned him for a year, I'd have no problem with that. Like you you can't assault a referee like that. He went up and pushed the referee, assaulted an official, slapped him right across the head. Like, 
you you can't you can't do that like you know it's that that's terrible they're obviously not going to cut him for the ufc you know he could get a monetary fine as well what are they going to find him monetarily that's going to make a difference to him you know he's you know probably 100 million in the bank at least you know i think it it does need to be a big ban i think it needs to be uh, you know even six months what's six months going to do you know he, he'll rock up and fight in in, uh, in march or may or whatever it is you know i, I think a year would would be something that that that's actually do, going to hurt him. The UFC did, or if he was suspended for six months or a year, that that would be the the belt would be stripped then. Mm, yeah, well, Tony Ferguson is the interim champion. They probably would strip it, I suppose. Yeah, so yeah, it is. You know, it 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 hurt him even more then, and I think he deserves it after that. Like, it, 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 like I don't think anyone, even like the, the funny thing about last night is Conor McGregor has the most loyal fans. Of maybe any sportsman ever, definitely of any uh, MMA fan ever, and even his loyal fans uh, on Friday night and on Saturday and since, ninety percent of them I'd say have been condemning what he did. Yeah, you know, I saw some was, people yeah. saying, "Oh, Goddard pushed him first and stuff." Goddard put a hand on him, just being like, "Here, like, just kind of." He should be keep... pushing him. Yeah, no, he should have yeah, caught him and pulled him out. Yeah, like he deserved it. Yeah, yeah. some people you gotta like some some people are just gonna defend him no matter what, but you. You just like this. This case is just you can't. It's just it's just ridiculous behavior. He just was going mad for. He just he just lost a plot there for, for a minute. Like he, it's just it's just look, looks really bad for the sport. Especially I think I can't remember who said it on Twitter or some uh, somebody said it. I can't remember where, but especially when your the sport is in the process of trying to be recognized officially in Ireland. Yeah, it was and, me, I think. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was you. I didn't want to give you credit for something you didn't do because you're always <laughs> taking credit for everything. But, you. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just it's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. It really is. It's just a bad look for the sport, and it's a bad look for Connor, and it's it's just uh, it's just stupid. He needs to cop on and stop doing stupid shit like this. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like the fact that he keeps doing stupid stuff like that, like and uh, you know he's he as I said he always comes out and apologizes for stuff as well. But like there's there's only so much like that he can keep doing that these apologies are going to just become more and more useless to be honest he just has to stop doing this shit like you know and uh, like yesterday was though i think our um friday was probably the worst one yet i think because uh, you know everything else is you know you can put it off as a mistake or everything and obviously this was a big mistake as well but this was you know, this was nasty. Like you, sh- you shouldn't be doing what he did there, push, touching, putting your hands on a referee and slapping a an official on the head like after that you've already pushed a referee. Like and you know, just very, very unsavory scenes altogether. Yeah, especially when he'd already been kicked out of the cage and all that. Why, why is he mm-hmm. getting back up on the cage and why is he being allowed to do that? Like somebody needs to get a hold of him, with security, his own security, or the, the the event security, or his team, and just be like, here, "What the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. Uh, then maybe moving on from that an expo- a little bit because we're, we're going to get plenty of questions at yeah. the end again. I mean, that see, it's overshadowing the fights because we're talking yeah, for like is. you know, it is but 20 before, minutes before we get to the fights. What did you think of uh, the Irish MMA media basically being called out as you know by a lot of people as being toothless and useless and refusing to call Conor McGregor out and condemn him? Luke Thomas, especially, I'm not going to name him, I don't care. He you know, he he put the tweet out there, you know, before anyone had a chance to say anything uh basically and you know we we're left looking like dickheads then all of us sitting there when when we were you know uh, let, let's let's just tell what, exactly what happened right we we're sitting there cage side 
Conor Gregor standing literally right in front. Were, were you there or were you backstage at this time? No, I was doing an interview with Reds yeah, at the time, so I missed everything. I just heard this huge roar, and I was like, oh, I wonder what happened. Somebody must have got knocked out there. And when it came out, everybody was like, oh, my God, did you see that? What the hell? I was like, no, I saw nothing. And I was trying to – people were telling me different things, and I was – you know, everybody, everybody's version was different, and I was just like, what the fuck's going this, on? This is where I was, right? I was, Conor McGregor's literally standing right in front of me. Um, I was doing the live results at the time, so the, the fight ended. Conor McGregor jumped up on the cage, started celebrating with Charlie Ward, hugging him and everything. Fell to the ground at the other side of the cage, went over to, towards the other side of the cage, where I could basically see nothing, because Artem and all them lads were like standing up at the cage. Couldn't see a thing that was happening. I, I was putting in the live result, tweeted out the live result. You can check it out. It's on Severe Med there. I, like, we could literally see nothing, only a big melee. Then he starts, like, roaring at Mark God, roaring at Andy Ryan. I tweeted out that. Um, I tweeted out exactly what I saw twice, or three, or three times, like, three tweets. Uh, and we, like, had absolutely no idea what was going on, what was after happening. Then someone came around. They were talking about the result. They weren't sure if the result was uh, a TK or a KO at the end of the round or not. <clears throat> and then it was announced, and I tweeted that out as well. Like, this event wasn't live on TV. <laughs> there was best, There was no one could see it right. Like, the videos that came through didn't come true for a few minutes afterwards. And by that time, like, we were already being called out for having not said anything, even though like we couldn't see anything. And what I did see, I tweeted out. I think Pizzi did the exact same. I think the other journalists that were there as well did the exact same. Like, what do you want from us? Like, there are people calling. Where's the articles about this? Where's the articles about this? It's like we're sitting here at an event, posting videos. You can look up on severemed.com. Niall was, or yourself and Niall were editing, doing the videos, doing the interviews. I was putting up the uh, the the videos. I was uh, editing the photos and stuff to put them in as well, doing the live results at the time, tweeting out, uh, putting them out on Facebook as well, running all that for the whole night. And we still met, we still came out and, and said things after that. I, I put out tweets. I put out the vi a video the next morning as well, talking about it. Pizzi put out different tweets. I'm sure the other lads there did it as well. Like, it's as if, uh, from a lot of people, I think, and, and maybe I haven't gone too far into this, like, but... Uh, it's as if a lot of people think we're just ignoring this. We're acting like it never happened. Like when I immediately was live tweeting as he was still in the cage, I was tweeting what he did, what, that he was up in the cage or jumped into the cage and was shouting at Goddard. Like what, what, what more can we do? Like, um, what do you think? Yeah. I, I, it doesn't really bother me to be honest. Like yeah. people are always criticizing. It's easy to, but like, I, I think it's, like it's unfounded bullshit. I think like we've done like for years, I've been doing this so many for like six, seven years now. And like, for severe MF for I think like five maybe coming on here this is a podcast about number 140 and like I don't think anyone has ever called me out maybe once or twice ever or, or you know some dickhead not mean and are just doing it to, to piss me off or something for being biased or for being uh like having cookie cutter answers or not giving uh, an opinion and stuff like two weeks ago we went on and absolutely slated Conor McGregor for the incident over in UFC Gdansk. After his first fight with Nate Diaz, we came on and said all, everything that he had done badly. I picked Nate Diaz to win the next fight, wrote a whole article on it, like two and a half thousand words. We come Every time he does something, we come on and, and lambaste him. Every time anyone does anything bad, whether you're Irish or fucking English or American, we come on and do it. And we're still basically called that. We're all oh, we're Conor McGregor's lackeys. You know, we'll just do what, what we'll say what he wants to hear us say. Like, at Even though point, when you do post the criticism yeah. of like somebody uh, in Irish MMA, you'll get fans and people replying being like, "Oh, remember what side your uh, your, your yeah. bread's buttered on?" Or remember like, I know it's like, what are you what, like? Yeah. 
people are just looking to criticize it no matter what you do so i don't even like i'm i'm over that stuff years ago yeah i just okay, like i know what i'm doing is brand so i'm, I'm happy enough yeah, I just didn't like. Myself. I just I, I didn't like it. I, I wouldn't mind if it was just like fans are gonna. But when, when Luke Thomas did it, I I didn't like that at all. You know, I've. Well, Luke Thomas, <laughs> he kind of phrased it like kind of like in a bit of way to give himself an out. I thought as well. Yeah, yeah was, I didn't like that at all. And the fact that like I, I tweeted him then. He said people need to say it's unacceptable. I said it was unacceptable. He he tweeted me back. But like, where was the tweet saying or the mea culpa saying? Oh, I was wrong. Like it, Irish guys did it. Or or to put out a couple of tweets should, like quote my tweet of where I I said something or that video I put out a four minute video or Pete's tweet I like I didn't see that you know if you're gonna put out something serious as that if, if people came on and said basically said about him when are you gonna come out and talk about something like this I'm sure he he wouldn't be happy about it either or anyone you know yeah, it comes down to more stuff like than this like you know even if you pick an, an Irish guy to win a fight against a non-Irish guy people are like oh you're only picking him because it's bias even though like you know I picked against Richard Kiley even though I knew I was going down a few hours later to interview the guy and yeah that he, he listened to the show and he was gonna he was gonna mention it like and mm -hmm. people got pissed off at me before for picking against him like you know I picked against Brian Moore I picked against Kiley they're the two main events of the about, yeah. of the show like you know mm -hmm. I'm just calling it as I see it, like you know, that's that's all I can do, and and I'm happy with my and in that knowledge. So other people can say what they want. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's move on to the actual fight. So and it was, it was actually a pretty tremendous uh, night of fights on on Friday night, and uh, we get to the Bellator action first, and let's get to the main event and and Brian Moore, and AJ McKee. I, I watched the the fight back there, uh, and it was a it was a really really good fight. We were talking last week. About how we thought AJ McKee would win this because just because maybe he's, you know, he's a little bit better than Brian Moore in all facets of the game. But we knew Brian Moore was very good. Uh, Josh Gross put out a tweet about now he was like Brian Moore is no easy fight for anyone, and it turned out that way. I like this. This I think this was a coming of age moment for Brian Moore. I was talking to someone from Bellator afterwards and said they were telling me how they're really really high on Brian Moore after this. They think he's a guy who's gonna you know. Who's going to come up there and be one of their, you know, one of their guys that is going to be on a lot of cards in that featherweight division in the coming years? How are you? How impressed were you with his performance on on Friday? Oh, sorry, I was I was muted there. I didn't realize. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I was I didn't nail on you there. I just muted you. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought he started off um, a little slow, Brian. He started off a little uh, stiff, but once he started landing, he kind of got much more comfortable, a lot of movement, and then he kind of took, he looked like the tide had, had changed and he'd taken over and that he had uh, much more energy and and um, spring and bounce to, to him than AJ. AJ seemed to be dropping his hands. He, he he got a couple of takedowns, AJ, but they weren't coming as easy as maybe people thought or maybe he expected. And um, I think... Uh, I think it looked like Brian Moore had had won the second, and that AJ had won the first. So it was all going to come down to the third. And then, in fairness, to AJ he got a he got a nice quick knockdown in the third, and he pounced on it, and he he he, he got the he locked in the choke. And um, I think uh, Brian Moore was about to go go out, but uh, the ref the ref stopped it before the top. But I don't think there was many complaints because I think it was just like a literally another. Uh, he seemed a little dazed when he woke up, or when he uh, was let out of the choke. I don't think he went out, but he. But he was about to, so I, I don't think there was. I didn't see many people complaining. I didn't don't, don't think I saw any people complaining for a non-tap submission, which which is rare enough. So it just shows that the ref actually did, did a good job there. Yeah, uh, but Brian, yeah, he um, he was a bit stiff in the first round. Not a bit stiff, but a bit a bit. He wasn't as he didn't have the movement that that he ended up having once he once he got going. He I think it's a self belief thing maybe. Once he got a bit of me and PC and yourself were talking about it on press row. I think once he gets a. Couple of nice shots in, he kind of starts loosening up and believing in himself more. But um, AJ is obviously undefeated for a reason. He's 
he's been training as he said his dad's a his dad's a well-known martial artist uh antonio mckee so he's been training since he was a kid aj has and um fair play to him like he was a hostile crowd as well which mm-hmm. it seemed to he said he said he didn't get an adrenaline dump but he seemed to get more tired than he than he ever has before so maybe he was go- going all out for that modified guillotine that brian did really really well to survive in the first round mm-hmm but um, you know, Brian, as you said, is a really tough, tough fight for anybody, and he, and he, I think he showed a lot of people. Um, people will remember, will remember him, and uh, look forward to seeing him again after that. Yeah, I think it's like it. I've, I've said it. I think I said it last week, and it's one of the things I'll say. Like, it's a sign of a champion when you are put in a tough situation like that, and you can come back and, and win like Edge and McKee did. He obviously caught him with a beautiful hook in the third round, put him down. Uh, and and then was able to chalk him out. Brian was hurt as well, I think, in, in the first round, and he survived it very well. He obviously got into the guillotine as well in the first round, and in the second round, he kind of took over. As you said, AJ began to look very tired, and Brian put the pace on him. He hit him with one very hard shot at one stage, uh, and it looked like going into the third that it was Brian Moore's fight, and he kind of came in, you know, with his hands down a little bit, got caught. It, it, like, it, it wasn't a shot AJ was throwing much throughout the fight, which makes it kind of even better, and, you know, just such a smart uh, thing to kind of pick it out. And, and then obviously he, he got Brian's back uh, and was able to chalk him out. Brian Moore, as I said, I think he's, you know, he's a lot more fights in Bellator. I don't think Bellator are going to be releasing him or anything. I definitely think, you know, if he, he I'm sure he'll continue to, to, to fight. I think, you know, he's, he's going to climb through those ranks in Bellator. And I, I really, really read Brian Moore and I have for a while. And I, you know, I think he, he's going to have some good fights in Bellator. But what about AJ McKee? Do you think, do you think that James Gallagher fight is going to happen next? Um, yeah, well, it depends on the schedule. I think um, James was saying in the scrum that he did, that he had uh, some good news about his knee, that it, uh, maybe is, is recovering better than it um, might. So, I don't think, for some reason, I had in my head that the the Newcastle card or the Bellator Bama Newcastle card was in March, but I think it's actually in December. So uh, that's probably a bit too quick. But um, somewhere February, March, something like that, they they could put it together. Uh, I think it, I think it'd be great to have it in Ireland, but it may end up on a on a bigger Bellator card in uh, in America. But either way, I, I think I think they should make it happen. Um, it's been it's been talked about for for what two two and a bit years already now. Mm-hmm. There's definitely um there's definitely interest in that like okay people some people don't like James a lot of people don't like James some people um just oh he's a, he's a wannabe McGregor all that fair enough but they they care either way so that 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 fight makes sense like it's it's two up and coming guys in Bellator that people actually care about there's, I can't really think of any any other guys that have as um as much attention or like as as much rivalry and as much attention from the media as those two have had over the last couple of years. So I think it makes sense to make, and I think they'd want to make it before uh, one of them ends up losing and it kind of gets put on the back burner. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I'd like to see it happen. It'd be very interesting to see... James against a guy who's go, he's going to probably find hard to take down because he's he's pretty good wrestling and against a guy who's kind of bigger than him as well and would fight on the outside kind of like he, he likes to do with a lot of guys. So yeah, I think it's it's an interesting matchup and it's a tough t- test for James Gallagher as well as if, obviously if, probably the, you know it'd be the toughest test of both of their careers so far. So you know, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if AJ would go for takedowns as well or if he mm-hmm. would if he would enter into the group it'd be interesting to see what the game plans were uh i would think we know what you know what james's game plan would be but i don't i don't know um if aj's we we, we don't really know because he's he's relied on his wrestling in nearly all of his fights if, if not all of his fights so um 
it's not really it's not really Bellator's MMO as, as well is it to put two contenders like that together or two young guys like I know they haven't had that many of them I suppose but it's you know they tr- I think they always try to give them the easy road obviously it didn't work with Aaron Beacon and stuff but I think mostly that they don't and they try to avoid that so I, you know, I have a feeling they're not going to do it for a while and unless one of them maybe has a belt uh, which which could happen because they're both very good but um, yeah they Look, we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next few months. Obviously, James Gallagher has to come back from his uh, his knee injury, and there's an interview with him up on up on Severe as well, so you can check that out on our uh, our uh, YouTube page. Uh, before that, though, there was uh, a few fights. Sinead Cavan obviously came back from from her last two defeats to win as Charlie Ward, as well as we were saying there earlier, and um, uh, 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 Kimbo Slice Jr. was on the card as well. Baby Slice, Paul Redmond as well on the Bellator card. What, what stood out for you there, Paul Redmond? That was that was a pretty good fight. Three rounds, he looked. You know, he looked fantastic again after what was it two or three weeks ago he fought in KSW. The first round was a bit strange with the mm-hmm. uh, basically they they traded one or two strikes each and then Reds went for the takedown ended up in a, a guillotine attempt for about four and a half minutes <laughs> and that was the end of the round it was it was kind of the, literally the same position and I think um, I think I think was it all three, all three judges gave a ten ten did they? Uh, no, uh, twenty nine twenty seven. So. No, I think. Uh, yeah, no. I'm not sure. We have to check that. That means that's yeah. There's one. No, there's the one. first round where it was, it was hard to hard to know how to score, but then the Reds took over from there. I think. Uh, no, they all gave Cardi- it. To, no, they all gave it to the Santos, and then Reds had one ten ten eight round as well. I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think he gassed himself out going for that going for that guillotine for so long. He's, he he looked uh, very shiny and sweaty afterwards, uh, and. Um, and Reds are kind of took over. He did well to survive as well. A couple of times there was some heavy ground and pound coming down, and uh, it looked like the ref was getting close, but uh, he managed to just improve his position or defend himself just in time to, to stay in the fight. So, uh, yeah, um, the Sinead fight as well. Uh, she basically, was pretty much the first exchange. Um, she It was it was similar enough, the, the ending to the... What was the fight where we, fight, we filmed the Fighting Irish? I think it was Sinead's pro debut. And she she uh, she countered a spinning back fist and kind of sprawled and landed some some ground some hammer fist ground and pound for the finish and it was it was similar enough to that so uh, yeah that was a good win for Sinead after a, uh, a tough decision loss uh, in her last one it was important for her as well like yeah. five Sinead, we, like five and two is very different to four and three as a record so it was a huge win for her. I think Sinead is like she's a top prospect coming out of Ireland as well. But you know this weight issues are you know constantly dogging her all the time. That was obviously supposed to be one forty. I think she would talk to Niall in the interview about you know one forty five is obviously the division they have, and she's going to fight there. So hopefully she'll keep making that weight and get on. Like I think, I really think she has the ability to go on and do very very well in Bellator in that division. I know she's picked up two losses in a row and stuff, but she's going to keep improving. Obviously she's a very good boxing background, and you know when she gets standing, when she gets exchanging in the pocket. Uh, she's very good and has knockout power like you don't often see, you know. And it, I think oh, the biggest thing for her is actually being confident enough in her wrestling and her takedowns and stuff to be confident enough to fight in the pocket, you know. And when she does that, I think she's a match for you know a lot of people, and and she's just going to improve and improve and improve. So yeah, looking forward to see where she goes uh, after yeah. this. Obviously, uh, she's, yeah. as you say about the way she's got, a, if she wants to get in the in the upper echelon and getting like um. 
title deciders or title shots. She needs some. She's make weight a couple of times in a row, and I think she said herself that it's. She she said in the interview afterwards that she loves her grub, mm-hmm. but I think somebody's got to keep an eye on her, make sure she's cook her meals for her or whatever. Get somebody in who's actually what Lindsay Doyle, I think, uh, does, used to do for Ashing Daily when um, at the end of Ashing's UC career and. Uh, Ashling was in much better spirits in the in the five week and just in a in a better mood and just fo- you have more energy as well when you do to wake up properly and it'll it'll end up in a, making you a better fighter in the actual fight as well so uh, yeah she needs to sh- sort that out um, she needs to sort it out quick because uh, there's only so many times you can miss weight before you can't be trusted. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And obviously, Charlie Ward as well. You got the very good knockout. John Redman yeah. called for uh, also, but that, that, John Redman actually looked looked really good. Uh, yeah. His good clinch work was really good because Charlie's known as really really strong and in, in the grappling and in the clinch. And John, he was using his size well. And okay, maybe the the or the the knees he was landing weren't big, but they were they were enough to to be edging edging the the fight out at. Uh, in that position, also having Charlie pushed against the the cage, but the, I think the ten second clapper went and um they kind of exchanged and he just got hit with a big left hand and dropped and, and finished. So yeah, it's unfortunate for Johnny, but a good win for for Charlie Ward and an important, very important win for Charlie Ward. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, <clears throat> on the Bama portion of the card, in I suppose the standout uh victory on that was for Dylan too coming back after ten or eleven months out, uh, and after his for the first off loss of his career, obviously to Cameron else. Um, it, it, it was a good display for Dylan too. You, you could still see, you know, he's taking a lot of shots. He spoke to Niall afterwards as well about, you know, obviously that's something he's improving and and that he's gonna, you know, continue improving on getting more comfortable in there and be not, you know, I think he talked about kind of not panicking so much, but like, you know, he he said like he'd often get caught with a shot and then he wanted to answer back straight away and that he's not doing that anymore. He's kind of fighting his own fight and and you know being more intelligent about it and looking at his opponents as well. Uh, and I think you know that showed in this fight but i think from fights on if he keeps that going he could improve like I, i've said it from you know since he was an amateur you know at his first fight at his first pro fight as well in 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 the uh in the o2 i think it was at that stage that he's you know he could be the next big thing coming up to irish and may you know they're saying richie smullen you know ryan curtis but you know a few more guys and obviously blaine logistical and this card as well look look pretty good but Dylan Took, he's definitely up there as, as one of the best prospects in Irish MMA, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think there was, there was a good bit of pressure on him uh, in this one as well. Um, there was a lot of hype behind him before uh, before he lost. And then once he lost, people kind of write you off a bit. So also, we all, you know, we talk about these young records when you're, when, when you're three and one going in, three and two and four and one look very different. And the prospects and the, mm-hmm. the opportunities you get are very different. So it was a big win for him. And uh, it was a, he got a great reception from the crowd as well. Which, uh, which would um, sometimes will put extra pressure on you. But he, he he's kind of he made his pro debut in front of, in front of the same similar crowd. So he's kind of been been in them uh, pressurized spots uh, before. But um, yeah, no, it was it was a really good performance. Um, as you say, it wasn't wasn't perfect. But like no no fighter of that that young and that young in his career is gonna be perfect as well. And mm-hmm. even fighters who are champions make mistakes as well. They can get hit and stuff. But um, no, it was, it was a really good performance from Dylan. Yeah. Um, uh, Blaine, I just, Glenn, I know you said coming into it, again, that fight against Dominic Wooding 
would be the, the fight of the night. And I think it was. It was absolutely tremendous fight. Obviously, Wooding got the, the finish in the tour. But these guys, they both look like guys who are going to go on and, you know, do a lot more in their careers, go a lot further. I know, you know, Blaine O'Driscoll has been talked about an awful lot uh, in Irish circles. Obviously, Dom, Dominic Wooding coming over to enemy territory as well. And it was a tremendous fight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. It looked like Dominic Wooding was going to run away with it in the first round. He was landing mm-hmm. some, big, some big, hard shots and... Um, at one stage, it looked like he might he might be able to to end the night early for Blaine. But Blaine is tough as nails. He toughed it out and came out in the second round, landed I don't know how many unanswered ground and ground and pound shots. Took the man, took the back. Um, looked really looked looked really good fishing for the rear naked choke. Couldn't get it. Dominic Wooding and Furness hung in there, and uh, in the third round, he he came out and asserted his dominance again and, and put Blaine away uh, impressively and Blaine, Blaine's not an easy man to finish so uh, yeah Dominic Wooding as I said last week his record may not you may not think he's he's that, that he's um, you know a three and one guy you may not think that he's had ex- that he's had experience with that fluid or that good but he he, he looks like a much more uh, experienced pro when he fights he, he looks like a real real prospect his, his only loss is to Andy Young who was uh, fighting in the main event of this show and was the champion so uh, there's no shame in that one yeah, and speaking of that fight, I suppose that fight and the uh, Ion Pascu Omar Santana fight as well were kind of, you know, yeah. I kind of missed most of the Pascu fight, but there was two points taken, was there? Yeah, there was. I think I I kind of missed that as well. It was at the other side of the cage, and for Bama, the the sc- the only screen we could see was taken oh, down nice. and replaced by a clock. So we literally, if, clock. If, if unless the fight was right in front of our side of the cage, we we couldn't see what was going on. So apparently, Dave Fogarty came over. We we were talking to him, and he said there was two points taken for a, a kick to the groin. Uh, but Pascu still went on to win by a split decision. So yeah, it's you know it's it's hard to you know <laughs> it's funny to, to, like because most of the two fight took took place and one side of the cage we were able to see it but that fight not really and the the Andy Young fight as well was kind of same like that I I think Andy Young was pretty disappointed in, uh, you know afterwards although Daniel Perez is a very very good fighter as you know as we saw obviously beating Ryan Curtis as well and now Andy Young um you know it wasn't it wasn't the best fight in the world kind of back and forth there was a lot of takedowns by Perez which I think won it for him but I de- I definitely think he you know he got the the better of it a majority of the decision. I'm not sure if it was, you know, if it was a draw. I think one person had a draw. I'm not sure. I think I think Perez did uh, did win it from what we could see of it anyway. And I think most people were saying that cage side as well. Yeah, I think most people were agreeing. Uh, like as you say, it's really hard to see from from certain certain places. And when you're running up and down doing interviews, you kind of you end up missing a lot of the fights. You kind of have to figure out talking to other media, talking to fans, and talking to the, the coaches and the fighters what actually happened. And sometimes. Uh, Sometimes what they tell you isn't it turns out not to be 100 percent correct. So, um, when you're at it, when you're covering events, it's actually kind of hard to 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 score fights, especially when there's no screen. When the, when when the screen that was shown the Bellator Bellator fights turns into a massive clock. Yeah, and they nearly dropped the screen in our heads as well. We had to stand up for like a uh, 20 minutes while they were like moving a screen. I don't even know what they were doing with it. I just like said fuck this and sat down like five minutes in, and then everyone else did as well. But yeah, that was pretty weird. And in the main event, uh, Alex Lahore against Richard Kiley. It was a pretty good fight up until obviously it got finished in, in the first round, so it, did, it didn't go much. But I thought Richard Kiley was was doing pretty well in the clinch and with takedowns. But when it did go to the ground, uh, Alex Lahore obviously got the submission. But I believe he was, you know, Richard Kiley had his two knees heavily. Um, Maybe not strapped, but he had a. Yeah, he had a, the straps on, on him. Yeah, apparently yeah. His, his his lead his lead leg was was injured four weeks out. Uh, his knee. He didn't want to pull out because he talked a lot of trash, and it was his big big main event and stuff. But the, the second uh, Lahore got onto the got onto the knee bar, he seemed to seemed to be ready to tap. So uh, maybe it was. 
obviously in hindsight it's, e- it's easy to say it's easy to, to be the general after the the battle but oh i like maybe, that yeah i got that one from uh, luka jelkic but uh yeah you got to hand it to lahore he uh, avoided most of the danger nearly all of the danger on the feet from richard kiley who is dangerous on the feet got it to the the cage got it to the ground and then when Kylie was sweeping, he he managed to latch onto that leg and uh, got the knee bar pretty quick, qu- pretty quick into the first round. So uh, fair play to him, defended his Bama title with relative ease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, overall though, pr- pretty good card. Um, I don't think we're going to see many Bama and Bellator cards uh, anymore. I think if Bellator come back to Ireland, they're probably just going to put on a full card by themselves. Now pro- they might probably do one or two more, you know, in in Ireland and the UK, but. Um, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of kind of problems, uh, not problems between it, but like problems in production and stuff. And, you know, just kind of, you know, the lack of communication and stuff as well. I think there's a lot of it. But, you know, in general, I think, um, you know, both promotions did pretty well and put on two pretty good cards in fairness. But uh, it's, it's yeah, tough. I think, to a, yeah, I think a lot of new, like, I, I think because I've been around and been to all these local small shows for years that uh, i don't really expect as much from from irish shows even mm-hmm. if it is a, a a big show like bellator or, or bam or even cade or whatever whatever it is i just um i'm just used to it not being that well run so i, I kind of I, I assume it's not going to be as well run as the ufc because uh the ufc have such a massive team behind them and ksw was kind of a pleasant surprise as we talked yeah, about it was very good yeah because they were really, really well organized, but they have a lot of money behind them as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be too critical of, of, of Bama. Uh, yeah, the, the the screen thing yeah, was a bit annoying, but yeah. it's not the end of the world. You know, these are little things, and it's grand. Yeah, that's true, hundred percent. Shout out to Alan Murphy. for me, anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if we could, if only we could have seen him. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let, let's move on to uh, Saturday night in uh, UFC travel to where was this card on Norfolk, Virginia? Which uh, Nor I always thought Norfolk was in Canada until about three weeks ago for some odd reason. I don't know why, but I do that sometimes. <laughs> but um, yeah, not the best card in the world in practice. Where it looked better on paper, I think. Um, was a few good undercard fights. I thought Sage Norcott looked very uh, looked very good. I think Angela Hill lost again, and I, I, like I've said before, I think Angela Hill is one of the most overrated fighters in the UFC. To be honest, she's a good fighter, but I picked Nina Antaroff going into this one, and I think she, you know, she won it. Uh, she won it pretty well, 29-28 on all three judges' cards. What about Sage though? I, I thought Sage looked, looked very good in this fight. You know, he's a sharp jab going in, throwing his combinations as well. I think. You know, a lot of people fast, talk, yeah, a lot of people talked about him working with Faber and things, but I think his work with Tyron Woodley is actually paying off a little bit because he's fighting a little bit like Tyron Woodley, where he's waiting, 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 and pouncing, and even f- kind of in a faster way, you know, with his front leg sidekick, he's throwing it to keep it out, which is like more than Woodley does in a lot of his fights. And then you know, I think that's a good base to score from, and then after that, you can throw those, you know, those big combinations of power afterwards. And I think he looked very, very good. And you know, Sage Narcot is a, you know, at the butt of a lot. Of jokes, but I think he's a very good prospect. Twenty-one years of age, eight and two. You know, it, it, give him five nine and two now, isn't it? Is it nine and nine two now? Yeah, sorry. Give him five, six more fights, and I think Sage could. You know, if he can get a good few wins with a you know increasing talent all the time, I think that's you know I think he could be very good. But because yeah, I think I think he said he said that he. I think he said he spent three or four months in alpha male, like in the lead up in, in a proper camp. And I think there's been a lot of talk in the past that his dad is a bit overprotective. And when the going gets tough, he kind of pulls him out of there, which, which, uh, it's just, it's, you can't have an dissenting voice going against the, the coach of the class in, in the gym. So it, it seems like, it seems like Sage was saying that, uh, 
that he's going to continue. He's going to continue to it that way. And as you say, he's only 21. He's he's getting more and more experience. He's only lost twice. Okay, people ridicule him, as you say. Yeah, they do. They people don't. People uh, make fun of him, even as after even his uh, speech afterwards and or his uh, interview afterwards. People make fun of that. But you know, I thought it was. I thought he was funny in the, in the thing afterwards. I think he's a good prospect. He needs to be given the right matchups. He can't be thrown in there against uh, top guys, obviously. Yeah, but a lot of guys who are really good now are top ten, top fifteen guys. When they were twenty-one, they were they were nowhere near what they are now. And, mm-hmm. and Sage has got a lot of a lot of room for growth, and he's got a lot of physical ability, and um, yeah, he's got a lot of natural gifts. So I, really, I think he's like yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if beating some guys that are that are that are ranked in the future. So yeah. Yeah, I really want to see him fight uh, Mark Diacasey, but not yet. <laughs> not yet. I think that <laughs> too athletic. Uh, oh, that would be a terrible matchup for Sage. I know it would be. Yeah, but I don't know. Give it another two years and make that happen. Um, Tatiana Suarez and Viviana Pereira. I actually didn't. Have you? Did you see that fight? My. I, yeah, I saw. It, yeah, yeah. It was uh, Suarez. Just the wrestling was too much for Pereira. Pereira is very small for the division tiny, as well. Yeah, but she's good. Uh, yeah, she was undefeated previously. She always found a way to win. She's very. She's very busy usually, but. Mm-hmm. I think that that dominant wrestling was just was just too much, and it took uh, the spring every step, and took the 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 willingness to to strike, well, not the willingness, but it made her a bit um a bit apprehensive. Yeah, uh, Marlon Moraes didn't got a win over John Dodson in three wrong scorecards, two thirty twenty sevens to Moraes, yeah. one thirty twenty seven to Dodson. It was a clear twenty nine twenty eight. I thought to Moraes not a hard card to score. It was close enough, I think, the the rounds. But yeah, I had a, I had a twenty nine twenty eight. Yeah, Maurice I think Collins. Dodson won the first. Yeah, yeah, and then Maurice took over. But there was a, I think this, the third or was the second or the third? I can't remember now. I think it was the third. Was, was pretty close, and yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a robbery if it went the other way. But I thought the thirty twenty seven was it was a bit much. Do you think Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Maurice is going to happen? Do you think that'd be a good fight? Um, yeah, I think it'd be a good fight. Will it happen? Um, it, have we seen the medical suspensions for? Well, I suppose they don't really matter. Bisbing's Bisbing's in against Gasolin. Yeah, we we'll get to that. We we'll get to that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it will. They're talking about Aljamain. I think he. Someone said he turned down Aljamain Sterling. He turned down. Um, um, what's his name? The Raw Bantamweight. Uh, Brian, 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 Brian Caraway as well. So I don't know what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll we'll better see with that. But he he made a good uh speech afterwards. Samurai could get that fight. Didn't the main card? Actually, speaking of the yeah. the weird decisions, it was announced as a draw in the Sean Strickland Court McGee fight, uh, majority draw. But it actually turned out apparently that the the commission or somebody in the promotion came over to the press oh, row yeah. and told him that it was read out wrong and that uh Sean Strickland actually won. Oh Jesus, these things happen. Uh, uh, the main card then there was, you know, Andrew Arlovsky. I thought looked good against a a, a huge baby junior Albini, um, and to get a win to kind of save his career in that one. Cesar Ferreira Mochanch, similar sort of thing against Nate Marquardt, split decision, uh, and then. There was four KOs in the other four fights on the main card. Clay Guida obviously knocked out uh, Joe Lozon with a hard punch and a terribly, terribly yeah, it should have been stopped. Yeah. yeah, very, very late. Then Rafael Asensio looked brilliant again. I thought against uh, against Matthew Lopez. Well, you uh, say again, but you know, it's kind of the first time in a while that he's in a good while that he's got a finish, and he's kind of he's not a finisher he, like. Well, yeah, yeah, but he's kind of put, he nearly had himself in that kind of John Fitch territory where they don't want to give him a title shot in case yeah. he in case he wins and ends up because he like he uh, him and TJ Dillashaw have a win over each other uh, already. So uh, you kind of get into that situation where they don't want to give you a title shot because you're boring and you, you don't the fans don't know who, or the the casual fans don't know who you are and the, the 
the hardcore fans may like your may like you and respect you as a high caliber fighter, but they're not getting excited about your fight. So yeah. it's important for him to get the, to get some finishes, and he, and he did impressively. Usually, when you're in a situation like that, you know where you're one on one with a champion, usually you probably will get it. You know, if you're campaigning, especially if you're doing like Rafael Asensano, who beat Marlon Moraes in his last fight and beat uh, Lopez here. But the fact the first fight was so close, and I think most people thought TJ Dillashaw won that fight, and then TJ won pretty comprehensively in the second fight. Kind of makes the third fight, you know, TJ won't want that fight. You know, he kind of thinks he won both those fights, even you know if he didn't officially. So that's going to be pretty hard for. Uh, yeah. for and Austin say he wasn't making like he should have called him out if he wants the fight as well. You got him. You got to make noise if you. He did. He did call him out in fairness, but it was kind of kind of not really like, call out. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's in fairness. You need to make uh, a proper proper call out like where people. Take notice, like, yeah. Then in the co main event, uh, Matt Brown defeated Diego Sanchez by smashing elbow. Are you gonna call the press was conference? A... Was the press conference not get him? Oh, yeah, the press... <laughs> yes, what about that? And did you think the elbows in the back of the head as well? Say again, oh, oh did you think the elbow was the back again, of sorry. the head? Oh, did you... can you hear? Oh, me? um, um, yeah, well, um, I think it glanced the back of the head, but I think the way Diego kind of just stooped down, it was. Yeah. It was uh, just unfortunate. It wasn't like a a, a misplaced shot, and um, I think, yeah, I think it was it was a legit TKO. Yeah, I think KO. I hundred percent agree. Yeah, I think Diego moves as Matt was throwing it, and that's that's a legal shot. You know, it's the same with Poirier and McGregor. I think in that in that fight, and we've seen it with lots more. Uh, who head kick t- t- uh, Tony Pettis against? If you wrap if you wrap your shin and put it in somebody's head, it's going to hit the back of their head. Like you know. It happens a lot, so I think nothing wrong with that. Matt Brown, in fairness to him, he didn't really retire after it, which uh, fair play. Of course, he didn't. No, <laughs> no, but he didn't even say he was going to retire after. Even he kind of said it beforehand. So fair play to him for not not doing that, because as we know, MMA retirements don't exist. But if they did, would you just love Diego Sanchez to take one? God, he's uh, like Diego Sanchez is one of my favorite fighters ever. I love the way he fights. He goes balls out. But like, there's only so long you can do that, and, and it, Diego's time is up. You know, he's finished. He was a great fighter. He won 17 fights in a row, fought BJ Penn for the yeah. UFC lightweight championship. But his time is up now, and he shouldn't be fighting anymore. Yeah, I don't really like calling for guys to retire, but if they're gonna be, if Diego Sanchez is gonna continue on, he, I think he needs to needs to be not fighting big welterweights like Matt Brown, mm-hmm. who 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 have vicious elbows and knockouts on the like. You could tee him up maybe for for a nice nice one to ride off into the sunset, but with Diego, he's just a madman that you couldn't rely on him to actually go off into the sunset, so to speak, after after a win if if he was to get one. Yeah, Diego's a guy who's going to be fighting till he's fifty. Like he's going to be Ken Shamrock. I really think that. I don't think Diego is going to do anything else. I do you think if the UFC were to let him go to Bellator, pick him up, and just he'd be straight in there? Yeah, I think they would. I think they probably would. Someone would definitely pick him up anyway. Like, uh, like Diego would probably fighting the promotion, getting you know five hundred quid a night. Like, I, that's a kind of. A, he's just a warrior. Like that, he always fought like a warrior. He, you know, he's not the most, you know, mentally stable guy in the world. I think we all know that. And you know, what, what it takes to be a warrior like Diego Sanchez makes you never quit. And I think it's going to be very hard for him to quit and find something else kind of to satisfy that kind of insanity that hasn't that he has inside in him. And uh, yeah, I think it's. You know that's going to be pretty difficult. He I, he definitely has the look of one of those guys that's you know going to be still fighting for years and years and years after he should be, and it's it's going to be get more and more depressing. I think, and I I'd love to see him. You know, if his team could have a word with him and tell him to retire or something, I think you know it needs to be said because uh, you know he's done everything he's going to do in MMA. Now he's not going to get anywhere else. Yeah, you know, it's all downhill from here, really, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It already has been for a couple of fights. 
yeah. The main event then was uh, it was a fight of the year contender up until the finish. I think obviously Dustin Poirier against uh, Anthony Pettis. I've I've a lot of thoughts on this. Um, I, I came out with this thing a while back about blueprint Pettis. There's a blueprint to being Anthony Pettis, and it seems the only one who doesn't know there's a blueprint to beat Anthony Pettis is Anthony Pettis because he, he just has changed nothing in his game. He's still the same fighter that backs up against the cage, lets himself be pushed against the cage, uh, gets taken down all the time. Uh, when he does get in the stops the takedown and gets in the clinch, he just stays in the clinch and he doesn't try to get out of it much. Even when he gets a totally you know open position or something, he purposely goes back into the clinch. Then on you know on the feet, he's not circling away to get out from pressure, and everyone who fights him just puts pressure on because they know Anthony Pettis can be pressured and beaten like that, and he is just he's the most frustrating guy because he's so talented and he's just so tactically bad uh, and and not improving and not changing the way he fights despite losing time after time again to you know to guys who he really should be beating I think. Um, so having said that, Dustin Poirier did what he needed to do. You know, he went out there, he he did uh, in the way you know most people do beat Anthony Pettis. Now I thought like I thought he wouldn't be able to do it because I thought Pettis would would be able to stop his takedowns better, would be able to you know not not succumb to that pressure as much and and land that big shot because Poirier you know he almost did at one stage in, in the at the end of the first round because Poirier's chin is definitely not as good as Pettis's, uh, but in the end you know. It ended weirdly. Obviously, Anthony Pettis cracked the rib. I think when when um, he had a body triangle, when Dustin Poirier had a body triangle on him. But I think he was getting finished anyway. You know, I think it was it was pretty close. Poirier was taking over that fight, and Pettis looked, you know, looked on the way out. What did you think? Yeah, uh, there was there was a lot of blood in, in it as well. So uh, it was very slippery, and, and Anthony Pettis off his back was throwing up triangle attempts all over the place, and he came close with a couple. But it's much harder when it's all greasy like that. Like when it when 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 people are oily like that or or really sweaty and bloody like that, it's just very difficult to to lock it up. And I think I think maybe if it was the first round, it was dry when when Pettis had the triangle that he ended up kind of nearly nearly into a mental triangle kind of on on a side. That that probably would have been a finish if if it wasn't that thing. So he was he he was kind of he was chasing ghosts and in, in going for that going for that submission. I think. Uh, Pettis in the, in the second and third, he should have been just trying to get up and uh, and strike, but he was getting he was he was he had cut, he was leaking out of his face in a number a number of cuts. So uh, it, it was just a really good performance from Dustin Poirier. Really, uh, it, the bizarre finish with, with Pettis tapping after he seemed to pop a rib or injure his, his torso in some way uh, due to the body triangle of Dustin Poirier. Um, what might take away from it a, a bit in people's minds. Um, the surprise win in people's minds, but for me, it, it doesn't. Uh, I think, as you were saying, the the tide was 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 with uh, Parier, and he was nearly definitely, or more than likely, going to get the win anyway. And that the body triangle he put on him caused the injury, so that's legit, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Yeah, I think you know he he he, pop, he wouldn't have popped that rib if he wasn't in that position, as you were saying there. Though, just one last thing on Anthony Pettis as well. Like <sighs> Anthony Pettis is like. <sighs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain this, but like imagine you're driving around the car park, right? And you're just aimlessly driving around, never stopping, and there's no spaces, and you just keep driving around all the time, and you're never you never find the space. But there's actually spaces there. And 
Anthony Pettis is a guy, right, who should be driving around, driving around, and then taking the space. But Anthony Pettis is a guy who kind of, he drives around, he drives around, he drives around, and then he just kind of, someone crashes into him. You know, he's, he's, he's weird. He's like that. He's like, he's so, he's so frustrating. And I think, I think there's one solution to Anthony Pettis and how he could become a better fighter. It's to become a wrestler. Because I think he's one of the most underrated ground fighters in all of MMA. His submission game is brilliant. His guard is very good. He caught, or he caught Dustin Barrier in a triangle at one stage. He has loads of guillotine wins. When he gets on top, he is vicious ground upon good submissions from everywhere. Aaron Barr, Vincent Henderson in a, a UFC title fight. Become a wrestler. That's what I think he needs to do because he's never, never again going to become the successful striker that he once was because people have figured him out. I think he needs to become a wrestler and he could, I think he can do well if he becomes that and, and a jiu-jitsu guy. I think yeah. he tried that temporarily. I remember when he fought Jeremy Stevens after he lost to uh, Clay Guida. He was like very wrestle heavy, nearly trying to prove a point that he could wrestle. But since then, he's kind of, just gone back to to his old ways. He said he hasn't been evolving. Um, just uh, I don't know if the drive's there anymore. Like he's been, he's been the champion, and he doesn't. He just doesn't seem to want it as much. I don't know. That that, that could be wrong, and that could that could be completely wrong. And maybe the game's just just kind of passing him by slowly. But I think that he doesn't it. seem to have the same the same um, belief in himself. And like you know, he's not thrown these mad cartwheel knees and kicks and. He's not taking all these crazy chances because he's been put on his back and had his face punched in so many times or had his ground impaired so many times and had a broken orbital bone from, from uh, the RDA fight and all that. It's just, it's, it seems to have changed him and um, made him less uh, dynamic. Yeah, 100%. Right, let's move on. And we have a few things to get to here before we move to the questions. Next week's UFC card. Is there anything on that we're talking about? Um, hmm. Um, not particularly. I like Tim Means versus Bilal Muhammad. I think that could be a good fight. I always like to see Jake, Jake Matthews. I think he's one of the best prospects in the UFC. He's fighting uh, Bojan Velicevic, who's a good fighter as well. Yeah, Elias Theodora versus Dan Kelly. Probably not going to be very fun. Uh, other than that, uh, Ryan Benoit, uh, Benoit is a good fighter. Will Hughes against Nick Lins. Uh, Tim Means and Bilal Muhammad is, is quite good, but it's a co-main yeah. event. It is, you think it'd be, it might be a, it'd be a good fight that you'd look forward to maybe further down a better card. Apparently it's not. Apparently Beck Rollins versus Jesse Rose Clark is the main event. It's the main event? Co-main event, sorry. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Yeah, this this card is just not great. Verdum against Tybura in in the main event. You were saying earlier you think Verdum is, is going to win this pretty handily, do you? Um, yeah, I think Verdum should should be able to win that, but but um, he's still unbelievably slick on the ground and he, he's he's a uh, dynamic on the feet because he he doesn't fear to take down at all. He he nearly wants you to take him down, so he'll throw mad jumping sidekicks at the start of rounds or the start of fights, and he'll throw that, yeah. jumping knees uh, off balance. He because and he like. He'll pretend he's hurt with a punch in order to get you to kind of come into his guard and try to ground and pound like he did against Fedor and many, many people over Doom or uh, over him, sorry, yeah. and more. Um, but it's just it's just not that big, exciting match that you'd, that you'd like in a main event. And if, if you were uh, if you're a, a fan, if you're an Australian fan, you'd probably be pretty disappointed with this card. Yeah. Right. Let's move on. Uh, Frank Yeager is out of his fight with Max Holloway. Do you do you give a shit? Yeah. Um, a little bit. I would have liked to see it, but I, uh, the, I like the I like the Aldo rematch as well because um, I think I think uh, it's kind of flown on the radar a bit that uh, Aldo had an injured leg going into that fight, and it was. Uh, remember that? Remember that? I called it. Remember yeah, that? you were you were you were watching the embedded saying I think there's something wrong with Aldo's leg, and 
you turned out that, that that's what they were saying afterwards so you turned out to be right it seems but um <laughs> it's the first yeah. time for everything you know <laughs> a slap clock is wrong twice a day yeah but I, like that Aldo fight i think people kind of forget that that was a pretty good fight you know up yeah. until that third round uh, and i'm looking forward to seeing it again i think it's a lot more competitive matchup than, than frank edgar fighting for the title for the 84 time after losing uh, so and this is the first time, Joe, the first ever title shot Jose Aldo's getting in the UFC. So fair play to him. I think he deserves it. You know, he's had a long career, uh, so uh, he deserves that title shot. I think <laughs> it would have been a much bigger blow with Frank Edgar falling out if they hadn't got Jose Aldo in. So um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too upset about it. I, I'm happy enough with the with the rematch. I think it's a blessing in disguise, really, because I think that Frank Edgar fight, if Frankie can go in, Frankie should go in now against Ricardo Lamas at the start of next year. Uh, fight him and then fight in uh, you know in May maybe or something next year or sooner than that even uh, against um, against Max Holloway or Jose Aldo well probably Max Holloway a few wins which I think he probably will but we'll talk about that fight um, closer to, to the time Dominic Cruz also went out of his fight with Jimmy Rivera a broken hand arm this time I believe so it's not you know, it's a serious injury, obviously, but it's not a tourney ACL, which, you know, is going to keep him out for, you know, 12 to 14 months or whatever. So, you know, you, you will get over this, but, it, you know, it's, it's sad, obviously, that you're losing that fight. I think that was the obvious number one contender fight uh, in that in that uh, division. Anderson Silva then failed the drugs test as well for the, for the second time now. Uh, will it be Ty Dick Pills again? Po- that potion, uh, yeah, I don't know. They haven't said any- they haven't said anything uh, about the substance, have they? No, I don't think they have. And it- it's weird yeah, because, really- yeah, this potential it's- viola- violation. So yeah, this is <laughs> all. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. allegedly failed another test. They'll-, they'll test the B sample, but it's very, very rare. Like it's nearly unheard of. But yeah, any other week, like we'd more than likely spend a half an hour talking about this. But th- this week is just insane. Like, if if he's found obviously to be, you know, he more than likely is uh, found to have taken uh peds then it, it, it totally tends his his um his record for me uh his, all, or his legacy yeah, it was already tainted look at the same as john jones um you know it's it's terrible because anderson silva is definitely you know top three greatest fighters of all time i think uh, even you know even with this you know some people don't mind it will still say you know his his achievement inside the cage you know standalone without this but i definitely do think it taints it um and you know it's a shame because anderson silva is a guy obviously we we came up you know and people respected him an awful lot love the way he fought especially i know you're a huge you're a huge anderson silva fan the way he fights and you know it's, it's just a shame but as we said you know we often say yeah. a fighter towards the end of his career passing 40 they're not going to be the same in the gym they're going to reach for pds like that lots of them and lots of them don't in fairness now but you know it's it's i'm not yeah. surprised it's hard to say if he's been doing his whole career but i think a lot of people when he failed the first one were saying oh he was taken because of the broken leg and you can't say you're yeah. taking his whole career but this one if this one turns out to be correct then you kind of that argument like that you're saying and i think joe rogan was saying on this podcast so what you expect he's 40 something but mm-hmm. uh it just if the second time just makes it look like you, you've been you've been doing it way longer and you got yeah. away with it and you, yeah. you thought you could get away with it again and you were wrong and it massively taints your legacy it, it it really does yeah 100% I agree with that then Bisping is stepping in to fight uh, Kelvin Gaslam in the UFC Shanghai main event I don't <laughs> like this to be honest Bisping just I don't know what this is about yeah. yeah he just got heavily knocked down ground and pounded by George Sampierre and choked out cold you know not, not a week ago and now he's gone in to fight Kelvin Gaslam 
like he'd probably still have black eyes and stuff gone in there. Like, mm. Gaston's no joke as well. Like, no, he's not, like yeah. Gaston will win that fight, I think. Um, yeah, I think I, so I think too. Thing, yeah, so. And like, he's meant to have a suspension. So, what's the point in these? Well, I suppose, like, okay, you're, you're medically suspended unless a doctor says otherwise. But, like, how many doctors are there? You can find a doctor to say whatever you want. Like, you know, these, just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you're, you're, of, you're not, you're, you're like, uh, your morals are, are really high or whatever you know you, you go guy you know or for the right price you might say whatever or the UFC says oh we want this guy cleared will you clear him and they clear him it's just what's the point in these suspensions if you're just going to get cleared yeah but I'm sure he, he'll be grand he will get cleared and everything but like your brain you know you're, I'm, I'm a medical doctor as well as everyone knows like but your brain <laughs> you know your brain needs time to recover as well from taking fucking gruesome damage like that you know we you you did that documentary with on roddy a while back where he was talking about that you know where it took him a good yeah. year to recover from some and i know it, obviously this being wasn't hurt people spaghetti. are saying oh he didn't get tko but he got hit with big shots that, that could have led to a tko but ended up leading to a to a rear naked choke so yeah 100 it, yeah. it's a strange one yeah, very strange. And then Bellator announced the heavyweight tournament as well, which I absolutely love. The only odd thing I think about it is uh, the light heavyweight champion Ryan Bader is in it. I'm not sure. Like that, they're doing this to get a heavyweight champion. And if Ryan Bader wins it, he's going to be a two-weight champion, and they're not going to have anyone defending in probably heavyweight in because he's a, a light heavyweight. So I think that's a bit odd. But everything else I really like. Uh, Fedor is in it. Fedor, Bader, uh, Frank Mayer, Matt Mitrion. Uh, Chael Sonnen, uh, <laughs> King Mo, uh, da, 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 who else? A few more lads, anyway. Look, look it up, check it out. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really looking forward. Rory McDonald as well has said that he wants to be an alternate on it for a heavyweight tournament. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so the, la the last, that. the last big uh, heavyweight tournament was the Strike Force tournament, and Daniel Cormier was an alternate for yeah. it, and he ended up winning the whole thing. So, uh, these tournaments they fall apart all over the place because, uh, because of um, MMA. injuries and just suspensions and all that. So, yeah, yeah. Don't be surprised if somebody not even on that list ends up winning the thing. Yeah. Um, Jordi Ayala, or whatever he's called, <laughs> will end up being the, the champion. But, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And should be good. Just please get on television, Bellator, so we can uh, so we can watch it. And that'll all be great. Right, let's move on to the questions. The Nate Kildea Q&A, first up. True or false, Dustin Poirier will fight for a UFC belt in 2018. Interim included, he says. Mm, false. False, I think, as well. Matt Brown will fight again before Conor McGregor does. Um, false. False, I think, as well. Although it could be close. Chris Cyborg will not fight in the UFC again. Ooh. False. I think it's false, but I don't think she'll fight many more times in the UFC. Frank Edgar will fight at Bantamweight in 2018. Ooh. Um, false. True, I think. If Conor McGregor gets a suspension, the UFC will scrap Habib versus Barboza and will put Ferguson versus Habib for the interim belt at UFC 219. Well, Habib and Barboza's not happening. Barboza's fighting... Um, or is, oh, it is actually, yeah, sorry. Um, 219. Mm. I'm, I'm going to go true, fuck it. I say false. Yeah, I didn't even read the question. All right, but be grand. James Gunner, James Gallagher's next fight will be in Ireland. Will be in Ireland. Um, false. Yeah, I think false as well. Ireland will beat Denmark on Tuesday. <sighs> um, false. I'm gonna go true. 
Uh, this Saturday's fight night is the worst card of the year. Uh, UFC card. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to remember. Eleven and a half months of cards, but it's yeah. definitely up there. Um, I, I don't think. I think there's a worse one. Um, how are we going to tell if it's true or false? Because it's a matter of yeah. opinion. So that's true. I'm going to go with false. So Farisa Verdun will beat Tybura in less than two minutes. False, I think. False. I think it'd be a decision. No, five rounds, maybe not a decision, but yeah. The latest failed drugs test rules Anderson Silva out of the goat debate. Um, True. Well, that's just it's, uh, another one we can't really. Yeah, what's your opinion? Um, get off the fucking. I don't think it rules him out, but I definitely think it knocks you down a little. Like, Yeah, Conor McGregor was sent by Dana White to invade Bellator like Vince McMahon invaded WCW in the 90s in the Saturday Night Wars. False, obviously, but. False. What a, I don't what think you see happy with Bellator being promoted through Conor no. McGregor. But there was a lot of people saying, oh, Conor McGregor had planned this to get, uh, to get his name out there and everything. That, like, that's the biggest load of shit of all time. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, people just love bringing pro wrestling stuff in, into MMA. Yeah, they're mad jokes all together. Okay, uh, da, 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 let me just scroll up through a few questions here. Uh, um, sorry. Uh, is uh, Mr. Pajas is Dylan Chuk back on track? We're next for the for the nuke. Yeah, what do you think about these? Like, he took a good bit of time off. Do you think you know he talked to Niall? He said he wants to come in there very quickly. I think he, you know you need to probably take the slow roll with him as well when he still is making those improvements. I think he did. He, I think he said he wanted to take Christmas off anyway. Did he? Mm-hmm, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think there's any rush when you're, when you're that young. Um, he didn't take that much damage though. I don't. I doubt he has uh, any any medical ban. If he does, it's probably just a precautionary 30 days or whatever. So he could get back in there whenever. But there is no rush. He can continue to, to add to his game in the gym. When, when you're in camp constantly, you kind of don't get a chance to add new new wrinkles to your game, new work on stuff. You end up just kind of working on your conditioning and your and your your weight and preparing for a uh, specific opponent. So, um, yeah, there's no rush. And he should just take his time. Yeah, Maybe not he's... 10 months, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't, you won't, I want to see him hopping straight back in there in a few weeks or anything. Yeah, I agree. Andy Stevenson asked about Sinead Kavanagh and uh, the weight cutting. We, we got to that. But uh, Wally Frogmore and a few more people have asked thoughts on uh, Spike and Bellator uh, milking the whole incident with McGregor. What did you think about that? Yeah, um, it makes sense for him to do it, I suppose. Uh, Conor McGregor is the biggest star in the sport. So if if you can bring eyes to your broadcast and to your, your social media pages, you're going you're gonna to do it, especially uh, when you're trying to uh, compete with the UFC, which I think Viacom would love to do. So it makes sense in that way. Yeah, like what? What can they? What are they supposed to do? Like you know, they put it up on their on their Twitter and stuff because it wasn't on live on TV anywhere. And what, what, like, what do people want them to do? Hide it away? Like, um, fair enough. You know, if it happens, it happens, and you know, it's not their fault for jumping on the opportunity. Look, these things happen in MMA. They might, they have to, you know, they kind of have to do it. Um, it would look pretty weird if they did. The fight just ended with Charlie Ward winning, and then they just cut to something and come back and pretend like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a bit weird. Uh, UFC punts asked, "How good is Felder on commentary?" I thought he was very good. Yeah, he was. He was very good. He, he, he is his first go, I think, wasn't it? His first time. Yeah, he's done the, the Dana White Tuesday night series. Is that? Oh, yeah. I think he's done another card, maybe. Is he? Yeah. yeah, maybe he did a Pittsburgh card or something, did he? But I uh, know it was one of his first times anyway, and he's, he seems very comfortable already. There's definitely places he can improve and stuff but obviously you're not going to come in and be be flawless straight away so yeah i think there's a lot of potential there with elder mm-hmm. yeah and there's a lot of them already yeah i think he's very very good yeah uh i think he like he's a bit more brian stan than 
uh, Daniel Cormier, which I kind of like. Like Cormier tries to be a bit too Rogan like, and I don't think it works because it's a bit unnatural. It might it might change in time, but I think uh, the way Felder does it is more natural to him. And I think he's you know he's like a trained actor and stuff as well. And I think he's used to kind Thug of Rose, Thug Rose, Thug Rose, Thug Rose. <laughs> but did you I see that? about from Cormier. Front row Brian put up that it was like Stone Cold, Stone Cold, which now I like it. Because <laughs> that's kind of cool. In fairness, like I didn't hear Correct. it that way at first, but I kind of like it now. I do kind of like it. Uh, Andy Stevenson asks if Aldo loses the rematch, would he move to one fifty-five? And I'm going to add in and fight Habib. Yes, he should move to one fifty-five and have fight Habib if uh, if he loses it. Andy as well asks about Luke Thomas and paying attention to Irish MMA media. Yeah, I think we we've covered that pretty pretty much. A few people as well have asked about Conor McGregor, and you know he's team and John Cavan as well coming out. You know, it, I know they're in a, in a pretty tough situation, uh, and, and it's probably not going to happen. But I, you know, I'd like. I, I think you know they'd, they'd be, you know, it'd be good if they did come out and say that. Like, you know, but I'm not sure that's uh, that's going to happen. Actually, uh, a funny uh, reply by Neil Siri on uh, the Facebook post of, of Charlie's uh, Charlie Ward's scrum afterwards. Uh, yeah, he's like, "Good man, Charlie." That's what you say. I didn't see nothing. No comment. <laughs> is that what he said? I didn't Along see. It. Lines, yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, he went full, uh, full Arsene Wenger on it. Uh, uh, what fighters from Farrell Connolly met Farrell actually at the weekend? Some man. Uh, what fighters most impressed you guys, Bamator? Could you see their next fight being in the UFC? I don't think there's anyone whose next fight will be in the UFC. But obviously, we talked a lot about uh, obviously Dylan, T- Dylan Tuke was very impressive. Brian Moore was impressive. AJ McKee was impressive. <clears throat> Alex uh, Lahore looked good as well. Like he got yeah, reversed he by, by Kyle on the ground, but he, he turned it around pretty quick, hooked the leg, and got the got the finish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what sanctions we for McGregor? We talked about that from Irish Fight Freak. Yeah, I think a year would be would be wise. Uh, I think that'd be fair. Uh, Harry Powell as well asked, do you see Reds are getting back into the UFC card if they go back to Ireland next year? Four and one, his last five, only lost to Park and look good. Yeah, that Park fight, you know, that could have been gone either way as well. I think, like, I don't know if he'd do it, but I'm not sure, but I think that Dana Hoy choose the night series thing would be perfect for Reds or, you know, if he could go in there, get a finish, get a toehold or something. He'd probably be taking a step down money-wise as well, though, and all that, he'd be coming in on one of them, one of them crappy UFC contracts and, You'd be yeah. You wouldn't be fighting in as big spots as you, as you are when you're fighting for for KSW and Bam and Bellator and stuff uh, in front of crowds and stuff. So I don't know if if, if Reds is even looking at that. Yeah, a few people as well asked about Wonderboy's pay, and because I, I quoted this tweet earlier in the in the week, and it said he he got twenty nine and twenty nine for his fight. But someone tweeted me afterwards, and I tweeted out again saying that that wasn't right and that the, whoever had tweeted it was like just making them from their last fights or something so I tweeted that out but if you didn't see it yeah I'm not apparently New York didn't release that and someone basically just made it up so yeah the, there's no point talking news. about that because it is fake news and I, my apologies for for uh, quoting that tweet I didn't I didn't realize but I did tweet out as well that it was bullshit afterwards so there there's that uh, Harry Powell Harry underscore Powell 18 asks what do you think are key difference between the crowds at KSW and Bama Bellator events in Ireland a lot let a lot less Polish, I would say. Yeah, way less uh, Polish. Yeah. Not as much people. Like the Polish crowd were full. It was basically like 90, 95% full, the whole arena. This was 90% full at the end for half the arena, and the uh, parts of the sides as well were covered up. So there was maybe half the crowd there, I think. That was for the KSW card. It was it was pretty yeah, much fine. Think, think would have thrown a couple of, a couple of Polish lads on the card after seeing the KSW. But... Yeah. Yeah, that was maybe they will in the future. 
Yeah, that was a, a, a bit odd. Uh, okay, one or two more. Uh, favorite thing about Dublin, Eamon McLean asks. And Eamon McLean, what's your favorite thing about Dublin? Favorite thing about Dublin? Is that for you or me? Yeah, you, more of us. You can go first. That it's not Limerick. That it's not Limerick. My favorite thing about Dublin is um, the, the O2 Arena or the, the Tree Arena, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, Jack Durgis has been uh, given out to me all week and saying like I'm the writingest uh, MMA member and he said he's, I'm the gamiest person now I know after playing FIFA so I'm not going to answer your question Jack Just stop doing that please uh, Stephen Donahue asks will Matt Brown retire you're, you're after the least, that you're, you're the least winningest FIFA player in MMA media I actually am Matt Brown's definitely not retiring nobody ever retires uh, last question so um, from K-D-O-C MMA If you were to choose a budding Irish prospect most likely to challenge for titles in the UFC, who would you pick? Uh, whoa, it's a tough one um, I think Ryan Curtis James is probably in, the, in, a, in, a, in a position He's in Bellator though he's got, I think he's got a, I don't know what his, what his contract how many fights he has left well, would, you, would you call James a prospect really at this stage? Like he's probably well, I suppose he's a budding, budding prospect. I suppose, yeah. Um, budding prospect. It's going to be hard for any. Like, like let's be honest. Here. Like, Carl Moore's not a budding prospect anymore either. Like, you know. Um, and he actually he's he's not in his fight anymore. There's someone that has stepped. Oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah he's there. Heavyweight fight. Yeah, it's disappointing. Actually, we should mention that. Um, did, you hear, did you hear what happened with him? No, no, I didn't hear. But, um, yeah. I just I just somebody sent me a screenshot of. Uh, of a poster with with the guy he was meant to be fighting and another guy on it instead of Carl Moore. So that was yeah, that was, that was me. I showed you that. Yeah, I love all these things. Someone, it's always me. Then fuck's sake, you're always taking taking claim for it anyway. Credit for it. I did it. Though. I did it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll be Ryan Curtis anyway. But it's going to be very hard for anyone. As I said, like Conor McGregor's a once in a lifetime kind of guy, <laughs> you know, for the good and the bad, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, it's going to be hard for anyone to do it. But you know, D- Dylan Chu, Ryan Curtis, you know, Richie Smullen, as you said, James Gallagher, you know, Pat Wickstead is coming through there uh, from Team Rhino as well. You know, the lads up to North, uh, Reese McKee, obviously a very, very good prospect as well. You know, and they've all been through kind of, you know, wars and losses and stuff as well. So, uh, yeah. It's, and, yeah, for a budding prospect, it's, it's so hard to know because, you, like, in in the early years is where you make the big, the biggest progressions or um, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a, a great fighter, a top fighter and sometimes you just don't or sometimes they just they just plateau and it's really really hard to tell for for these like 19 20 year old guys Dave Fogarty it's going to be Dave Fogarty bringing that 115 pound division he'll knock them all out make sure they, they, they know we're bringing that in if, since he he doesn't, he doesn't seem to like the flyweight division yeah he's afraid running he's running from all those flyweights I'm a joke he's, <laughs> on, he's on about going to Japan so fair play to you Dave go over to Japan bait up a few lads right that's it thanks for everyone for listening to the podcast spread the word give it a tweet uh, tell your next door neighbor about it. Um, you know, write it down a, a packet of fags and slip it into your, slip it into some stranger's pocket and say, "Listen to the Severe Med podcast. Spread the word." Anything else, Graham? You, oh yeah, you can buy a t-shirt over at severemed.com forward slash merchandise. Support us. Give us wet, wet, wet our beak a little bit. As Greg Fitzsimmons would say, "Wet the beak a little bit." Right. It's good seeing you up in Dublin. Anyway, your um, favorite place to go. You keep, you keep coming here, even though you claim to hate it. Listen. Uh, 
Yeah, it was it was a good crack, and and then a lot of met a lot of podcast fans as well. With killed arrow wearing the severe and t shirt, which obviously, which you can buy over there. Severe and versus merchandise, a few more final Connolly, a few more lads as well. Sean Shamrock as well, over from America for the Bellator event. Nice to meet him and uh, everyone else. I saw Damien Nimsey as well. I was starstruck standing alongside Damien Nimsey was the best thing ever. He's one of my favorite singers. So yeah, that was that was really fun. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Inspirational quote. If you want the rainbow, you have to put up with the rain. We'll see you next Tuesday. I'm on that.